the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Hope you've had a good day. We trust that you have, and that we're going to put the perfect ending to an already good day. That's my hope, that the reading of the Scriptures will be just the icing on the cake of what has been a good day of you. Experiencing God's presence, God's peace, God's power, God's wisdom, God's protection, His provision for you today. I just hope that's been your experience. But otherwise, you know, sometimes there are challenges in life. Sometimes there are obstacles. There are difficulties. Sometimes there's even failures. We trip and stumble and fall, but that doesn't keep it from still being a good day as we come to the Lord for whatever we need. Maybe we need forgiveness and cleansing. Wipe that dust off of us, get back up and know that He's forgiven us and cleansed us and that He will carry us on forward as well. I hope you've had that kind of a day and that tonight as we gather around the Scriptures, around the Bible, you're going to find some encouragement. You're going to find that word that you need to hear. Maybe that question that needs to be answered. Maybe that little bit of wisdom that you need for a decision that's on your plate these days. I hope that you'll find that tonight and God will speak to you from his word as we listen together to the Bible live on the radio. We are going to continue our way through the books of First and Second Kings. Now, we have been making our way through these books of history based on the lives of the kings and the queens of Israel in the north, the ten tribes in the north, and Judah in the south. We have come now to the time of Jehu, this man that Elijah anointed. He's going to clean house some of the wickedness and the wicked leaders that were influencing Israel. Right now, though, before we get to that, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment on the Bible Life. Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I came so close to the edge of the cliff. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such a painless life. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They aren't troubled like other people or plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace, 
and their clothing is woven of cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. Does God realize what is going on, they ask? Is the Most High even aware of what is happening? Look at these arrogant people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure and kept myself from doing wrong? All I get is trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then one day I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, swept away by terrors. Their present life is only a dream that is gone when they awake. When you arise, O Lord, you will make them vanish from this life. Then I realized how bitter I had become, how pained I had been by all I had seen. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You are holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. But those who desert Him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. End of reading, Psalm 73. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. prayer unspoken if God puts someone or something on your heart so much that is done is God's people just responding to the Lord you know we don't have to wait for an event we Americans we're really big on events we think we got to have an event but God isn't waiting on an event he's just waiting on his people to turn to him (laughs) he's just waiting on us to pray from wherever we are individually or with our friends at work or with our families we can pray any time, and yet there is something good about a solemn assembly they were called in the Old Testament. There can be something good about coming together. Whatever it is, don't let that prayer go unspoken. Well, now we turn to a great prophet of prayer. We're talking about Elijah, then Elisha as well, um, both great men of prayer. We turn to the book of Second Kings. We've been reading through now the devastating effect that Ahab and Jezebel, this couple, had on not only the ten tribes of the north 
as they promote godlessness, immorality, extreme wickedness, the worship of other than the true and living God. Oh, they couched it really nice. I'm sure they made it sound real good, like they were very religious, but they led people away from the true and living God and from serving God and from doing good and worshiping Him as they had been commanded. They had a destructive effect on Israel in the north, but now their offspring, Athaliah, has married Jehoram, and now they've also begun to corrupt the people of Judah in the south. Jehu now has been anointed by Elijah and raised up to be God's judgment on Israel. The Bible lies. 9.16 through 12.16, Second Kings 9. Then Jehu got into a chariot and rode to Jezreel to find King Joram, who was lying there wounded. King Ahaziah of Judah was there too, for he had gone to visit him. The watchman on the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu and his company approaching, so he shouted to Joram, I see a company of troops coming. Send out a rider to find out if they are coming in peace, King Joram shouted back. So a rider went out to meet Jehu and said, The king wants to know whether you are coming in peace. Jehu replied, What do you know about peace? Get behind me. The watchman called out to the king, The rider has met them, but he is not returning. So the king sent out a second rider. He rode up to them and demanded, The king wants to know whether you come in peace. Again Jehu answered, What do you know about peace? Get behind me. The watchman exclaimed, The rider has met them, but he isn't returning either. It must be Jehu, son of Nimshi, for he is driving so recklessly. Quick, get my chariot ready, King Joram commanded. Then King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah rode out in their chariots to meet Jehu. They met him at the field that had belonged to Naboth of Jezreel. King Joram demanded, Do you come in peace, Jehu? Jehu replied, How can there be peace as long as the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel are all around us? Then King Joram reined the chariot horses around and fled, shouting to King Ahaziah, Treason, Ahaziah! Then Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow pierced his heart, and he sank down dead in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar, his officer, Throw him into the field of Naboth of Jezreel. Do you remember when you and I were riding along behind his father Ahab? The Lord pronounced this message against him. I solemnly swear that I will repay him here on Naboth's property, says the Lord, for the murder of Naboth and his sons that I saw yesterday. So throw him out on Naboth's field, just as the Lord said. When King Ahaziah of Judah saw what was happening, he fled along the road to Beth-Hagan. Jehu rode after him, shouting, Shoot him too! So they shot Ahaziah in his chariot at the ascent of Gur, near Ibliam. He was able to go on as far as Megiddo, but he died there. His officials took him by chariot to Jerusalem, where they buried him with his ancestors in the city of David. Ahaziah's reign over Judah had begun in the eleventh year of King Joram's reign in Israel. When Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Jehu had come to Jezreel, she painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat at a window. When Jehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted at him, Have you come in peace, you murderer? You are just like Zimri, who murdered his master. Jehu looked up and saw her at the window and shouted, Who is on my side? And two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Throw her down, Jehu yelled. So they threw her out the window, and some of her blood splattered against the wall and on the horses. And Jehu trampled her body under his horse's hooves. Then Jehu went into the palace and ate and drank. Afterward he said, Someone go and bury this cursed woman, for she is the daughter of a king. But when they went out to bury her, they found only her skull, her feet, and her hands.
When they returned and told Jehu, he stated, This fulfills the message from the Lord which he spoke through his servant Elijah from Tishbe. At the plot of land in Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel's flesh. Her body will be scattered like dung on the field of Jezreel, so that no one will be able to recognize her. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Kings 10 Now Ahab had 70 sons living in the city of Samaria. So Jehu wrote a letter and sent copies to Samaria, to the officials of the city, to the leaders of the people, and to the guardians of King Ahab's sons. The letter said, The king's sons are with you, and you have at your disposal chariots, horses, a fortified city, and weapons. As soon as you receive this letter, select the best qualified of King Ahab's sons to be your king, and prepare to fight for Ahab's dynasty. But they were paralyzed with fear and said, Two kings couldn't stand against this man. What can we do? So the palace and city administrators, together with the other leaders and the guardians of the king's sons, sent this message to Jehu. We are your servants and will do anything you tell us. We will not make anyone king. Do whatever you think is best. Jehu responded with a second letter. If you are on my side and are going to obey me, bring the heads of the king's sons to me at Jezreel at about this time tomorrow. Now the seventy sons of the king were being cared for by the leaders of Samaria, where they had been raised since childhood. When the letter arrived, the leaders killed all seventy of the king's sons. They placed their heads in baskets and presented them to Jehu at Jezreel. A messenger went to Jehu and said, They have brought the heads of the king's sons. So Jehu ordered, Pile them in two heaps at the entrance of the city gate, and leave them there until morning. In the morning he went out and spoke to the crowd that had gathered around them. You aren't to blame, he told them. I am the one who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? You can be sure that the message of the Lord that was spoken concerning Ahab's family will not fail. The Lord declared through his servant Elijah that this would happen. Then Jehu killed all of Ahab's relatives living in Jezreel and all his important officials, personal friends, and priests. So Ahab was left without a single survivor. Then Jehu set out for Samaria. Along the way, while he was at Beth Eked of the shepherds, he met some relatives of King Ahaziah of Judah. Who are you? he asked them. And they replied, We are relatives of King Ahaziah. We are going to visit the sons of King Ahab and the queen mother. Take them alive, Jehu shouted to his men. And they captured all forty-two of them and killed them at the well of Bethaked. None of them escaped. When Jehu left there, he met Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was coming to meet him. After they had greeted each other, Jehu said to him, Are you as loyal to me as I am to you? Yes, I am, Jehonadab replied. If you are, Jehu said, then give me your hand. So Jehonadab put out his hand, and Jehu helped him into the chariot. Then Jehu said, Now come with me, and see how devoted I am to the Lord. So Jehonadab rode along with him. When Jehu arrived in Samaria, he killed everyone who was left there from Ahab's family, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Then Jehu called a meeting of all the people of the city and said to them, Ahab hardly worshipped Baal at all compared to the way I will worship him. Summon all the prophets and worshippers of Baal, and call together all his priests. See to it that every one of them comes, for I am going to offer a great sacrifice to Baal. Any of Baal's worshippers who fail to come will be put to death. But Jehu's plan was to destroy all the worshippers of Baal. Then Jehu ordered, Prepare a solemn assembly to worship Baal. So they did. He sent messengers throughout all Israel, summoning those who worshipped Baal. They all came and filled the temple of Baal from one end to the other. And Jehu instructed the keeper of the wardrobe, Be sure that every worshipper of Baal wears one of these robes. 
so robes were given to them. Then Jehu went into the temple of Baal with Jehonadab, son of Rechab. Jehu said to the worshippers of Baal, Make sure that only those who worship Baal are here. Don't let anyone in who worships the Lord. So they were all inside the temple to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had surrounded the building with eighty of his men and had warned them, If you let anyone escape, you will pay for it with your own life. As soon as Jehu had finished sacrificing the burnt offering, he commanded his guards and officers, Go in and kill all of them. Don't let a single one escape. So they killed them all with their swords, and the guards and officers dragged their bodies outside. Then Jehu's men went into the fortress of the temple of Baal. They dragged out the sacred pillar used in the worship of Baal and destroyed it. They broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and wrecked the temple of Baal, converting it into a public toilet. That is what it is used for to this day. Thus Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal worship from Israel. He did not, however, destroy the gold calves at Bethel and Dan, the great sin that Jeroboam son of Nebat had led Israel to commit. Nonetheless, the Lord said to Jehu, You have done well in following my instructions to destroy the family of Ahab. Because of this, I will cause your descendants to be the kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. But Jehu did not obey the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He refused to turn from the sins of idolatry that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. At about that time, the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel's territory. King Hazael conquered several sections of the country east of the Jordan River, including all of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. He conquered the area from the town of Aroer by the Arnon Gorge to as far north as Gilead and Bashan. The rest of the events in Jehu's reign and all his deeds and achievements are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehu died, he was buried with his ancestors in Samaria. Then his son Jehoahaz became the next king. In all, Jehu reigned over Israel from Samaria for 28 years. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Kings 11 when Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she set out to destroy the rest of the royal family. But Ahaziah's sister Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son Joash and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. Jehosheba put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah, so the child was not murdered. Joash and his nurse remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. In the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada the priest summoned the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, and the guards to come to the temple of the Lord. He made a pact with them and made them swear an oath of loyalty there in the Lord's temple. Then he showed them the king's son. Jehoiada told them, This is what you must do. A third of you who are on duty on the Sabbath are to guard the royal palace itself. Another third of you are to stand guard at the Sur Gate, and the final third must stand guard behind the palace guard. These three groups will all guard the palace. The other two units who are off duty on the Sabbath must stand guard for the king at the Lord's temple. Form a bodyguard for the king and keep your weapons in hand. Any unauthorized person who approaches you must be killed. Stay right beside the king at all times. So the commanders did everything just as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as those who were going off duty. They brought them all to Jehoiada the priest, and he supplied them with the spears and shields that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple of the Lord. 
The guards stationed themselves around the king with their weapons ready. They formed a line from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada brought out Joash, the king's son, and placed the crown on his head. He presented Joash with a copy of God's covenant and proclaimed him king. They anointed him, and all the people clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard all the noise made by the guards and the people, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was happening. And she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar, as was the custom at times of coronation. The officers and trumpeters were surrounding him, and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. When Athaliah saw all this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, Take her out of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. Do not kill her here in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and led her out to the gate where horses entered the palace grounds, and she was killed there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people, that they would be the Lord's people. He also made a covenant between the king and the people. And all the people of the land went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols to pieces, and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Jehoiada the priest stationed guards at the temple of the Lord. Then the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, the guards, and all the people of the land escorted the king from the temple of the Lord. They went through the gate of the guards and into the palace, and the king took his seat on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was peaceful because Athaliah had been killed at the king's palace. Joash was seven years old when he became king. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Kings 12. Joash began to rule over Judah in the seventh year of King Jehu's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother was Zebiah from Beersheba. All his life, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Yet even so, he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. One day, King Joash said to the priests, Collect all the money brought as a sacred offering to the Lord's temple, whether it is a regular assessment, a payment of vows, or a voluntary gift. Let the priest take some of that money to pay for whatever repairs are needed at the temple. By the twenty-third year of Joash's reign, the priest still had not repaired the temple. So King Joash called for Jehoiada and the other priests and asked them, Why haven't you repaired the temple? Don't use any more gifts for your own needs. From now on, it must all be spent on getting the temple into good condition. So the priests agreed not to collect any more money from the people, and they also agreed not to undertake the repairs of the temple themselves. Then Jehoiada the priest bored a hole in the lid of a large chest and set it on the right-hand side of the altar at the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The priest guarding the entrance put all of the people's contributions into the chest. Whenever the chest became full, the court secretary and the high priest counted the money that had been brought to the Lord's temple and put it into bags. Then they gave the money to the construction supervisors, who used it to pay the people working on the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, and the stonecutters. They also used the money to buy timber and cut stone for repairing the Lord's temple, and they paid any other expenses related to the temple's restoration. The money brought to the temple was not used for making silver cups, lamp snuffers, basins, trumpets, or other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the Lord. It was paid out to the workmen who used it for the temple repairs. 
No accounting was required from the construction supervisors because they were honest and faithful workers. However, the money that was contributed for guilt offerings and sin offerings was not brought into the Lord's temple. It was given to the priests for their own use. End of reading, 2 Kings 9.16 through 12.16. This is a very important moment in the life of Israel. Jehu here, son of Jehoshaphat, one of the sons of Jehoshaphat, being used as an instrument of God, an instrument of judgment against the house of Ahab and Jezebel. And there's a lot of mixture here. Jehoshaphat gave his son Jehoram in marriage to a daughter, Athaliah, of Ahab and Jezebel. And then their son, Ahaziah, was the one here that Jehu kills who is en route to becoming a king of Judah. So the descendants of Ahab and Jezebel are just about to gain a lock on both kingdoms of the north, Israel, and Judah in the south. And yet Jehu is called, he was anointed by Elijah, remember told by the Lord to go and anoint Jehu to be the future king. So Elisha sends a prophet to Ramoth-Gilead across the Jordan River to the east, We read about this prophet that went over. He anointed Jehu and then ran for his life because Jehu is sort of a wild card. He's a loose cannon. Jehu immediately then rides to Jezreel, north of Samaria, in the northern part of Israel. He rides to Jezreel to find and kill King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah. Ahaziah flees and is wounded, but he dies later at Megiddo. Back at Jezreel, Jehu kills Jezebel by letters in correspondence with the people of Samaria. He negotiates with the people in Samaria to kill uh, 70 sons of Ahab. I mean, the immorality there in that family was tremendous. You've got a wild section here, but it's all about God's judgment. It does not hurt at all (laughs) to have a scorecard when you're listening to this particular section of Scripture. It's a period of about 50 years when there was extreme turmoil in Israel and Judah, maybe 40 years. And it stems from Ahab and Jezebel and their wicked, idolatrous, immoral influence, not only in Israel, but as they began to influence down in Judah as well. And God uses Jehu as an instrument of judgment. I don't have time to go into all the details of whether Jehu was right in his deception of the priests. Remember that Israel was under strict orders not to worship other gods, and it was a capital offense for Israelites to do that. Think about that. See you next time. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible.
let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 